name's uh, Paul Scott Dusudek. I go by Scott because my father was Paul, my grandfather was Paul, and there were too many Pauls around the Thanksgiving table. Uh, I grew up in uh, Colonia, New Jersey, and went to a Presbyterian church in Avenel, New Jersey, Avenel Presbyterian Church. Uh, I graduated from John F. Kennedy High School in 1972, and in the senior year of my high school or area, I went to Grove City College for an interview because it was a school that was economically affordable for me and it was a Presbyterian related uh, school. When we got there with my mother and father and I sitting in the hall waiting for the interview, as the, the President McKenzie walked out of his office, he looked at my mother and said, Betty, and my mother looked at him and said, Charles, and I looked at my father and I said, what's going on? And he said, uh, we didn't know this. Uh, Charles McKenzie was the pastor of Avenel Presbyterian Church when you were a kid. He baptized you. So uh, I, at that point, I was pretty sure I was going to Grove City College. Uh, so I went to Grove City College. Uh, I, uh, I was a pre-law history major. And following graduation from Grove City College, I went to Albany Law School at Union University in Albany, New York. Uh, after I graduated from law school, I went to work for what was then a private company known as the ACO Company. We did financial counseling for corporate executives throughout the United States. Uh, and I worked for that company for the next 37 years with various owners. But on September 11, uh, 2001, a couple of my partners and I were on an Amtrak train from Albany, New York, going to New York City to have some meetings that day. And as we were driving, this plane, the train was going down the tracks. The, the train goes right by West Point on the Hudson River and Wappinger Falls. And we were both, both of us looked out the window and said, boy, what a beautiful day. There's not a cloud in the sky. The train was a little late. We got to uh, uh, Penn Station, and I was, I was originally planning on taking a train down to the World Trade Center to see some of the brokers that I knew who at the time worked for us at Barney at Citibank. And uh, I was late, so I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to make that meeting and get on a subway and come back to Midtown. I'm just going to go to Midtown. So I took a, a, a one or two subway train up to 53rd Street, 6th Avenue. Got out, and when I came up to, to the street, I saw all these people standing in the middle of the road. And I said, what's going on to somebody? And they said, the plane hit apparently hit the World Trade Center. They got lost in the, in the cloud. And I thought to myself, there's no way a plane got lost. There's, there's not a cloud in the sky. There hasn't been a cloud in the sky for 100 miles. As I stood there and watched the, you know, the, the smoke coming out of the first tower, uh, I, had a, I had a client who had a, a, a office on the 50th floor of a building right on 6th Avenue. And I never had realized before that when you look down 6th Avenue, it was sort of a picture frame view of the World Trade Centers. So he, was in his, he, was, he wasn't in his office, but he put on, I called his office, his secretary said, come on up. I went up and we were standing in his corner office looking out, and that's when we saw the second plane go into the, the, the tower. And we saw the towers come down and the, 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 you know, the carnage and the, the smoke and the, the debris coming up the, the avenues. It was in, in, in a like 3D version of it was unbelievable. But as before that had happened, when the 
first plant hit, one of my partners who works in, who was in Albany, was not in New York that day, called me up and said, hey, my brother works for Cantor Fitzgerald uh, on the 104th floor of the World Trade Center. Can you see anything? And I said to him, well, Sean, I said, I can see something that doesn't look good. Hopefully, hopefully your brother was late today for work. Unfortunately, his brother wasn't late for work. His brother perished in the Cantor Fitzgerald uh, office, and his brother's wife was one of the uh, 9-11 pregnant women that had babies after their husband was killed. Whilst we were watching what was going on, my partners and I said, there's no way we're going to be able to take a train back out of the city, and, and miraculously, we were able to rent a car at UN Plaza. So after we had some meetings that day, Midtown Manhattan still was pretty much active. It was eerily silent. Walking the streets, no one was saying anything. There were people standing in front of uh, buildings that had television sets just watching what was going on. But as you were in Midtown Manhattan, up around the 50s, you'd see people at once while just walking stone-faced with soot and stuff all over them. They'd obviously walked up from from uh, the, the tip of Manhattan to the middle of Manhattan because the subways weren't running. And so we uh, went to Citigroup because we had clients there and they actually had landlines. So I had the opportunity to call my wife and tell her everything was okay because she had previously not known that I was going to New York City. I went to New York City so often on the train back and forth that, you know, whether I was going to the office or whether I was going to New York, and she didn't really pay attention. She was playing tennis, heard about the World Trade Center, called my secretary and said, Jay, can I talk to Scott? I just heard about the World Trade Center. My secretary said, well, he's in New York City. Uh, but at that time, you know, the phones weren't working, so it took a while, but Citigroup had landlines that worked. So I was able to make a phone call home. So we rented a car and we drove up the FDR Drive and from around 42nd, 43rd Street on the FDR Drive until we got to the Willis Avenue Bridge, which takes you to 287 before you're going to cross the, the Tappan Zee. Oh, we were already the only car on the road going north, and the only cars we saw coming the other direction were fire trucks, police trucks, or uh, EMT vehicles. And as we crossed over the Tappan Zee Bridge that night, looking back at the World Trade Center and the, the, the smoke and the fire and the orange, that was the my last remembrance of the... Uh, that day. The people that we had meetings with, we still had meetings with, and, they, they, and obviously the meetings were, you know, uh, abbreviated. Uh, there were things that we had to get done, uh, but uh, everybody was, you know, focused on, you know, what was going on there and whether they had people in their company that had been down there that had been in the building. And everybody was still trying to figure out. I mean, early on, uh, people were optimistic that, uh,
world where you're in the right place at the right time, or unfortunately you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And something is absolutely, sometimes there's absolutely nothing you can do about it, but just to be grateful for what I have, and uh, my family, and my friends, and, uh, and my health. It was clear, obviously, that we're under attack. Uh, but it, it, it was, you know, the, the whole concept of someone taking a plane, a commercial aircraft, and and driving it into the World Trade Center, and then, you know, obviously they, they went to the Pentagon, and there was the crash in the Pennsylvania fields for the plane that was apparently heading for the White House. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was an eerie feeling uh, all day. And I never, I never personally felt scared, uh, but uh, it was the, the whole day was just surreal. Well, a lot of things changed after that, including. You know, in in two thousand and in the year two thousand, if you wanted to get on a plane in Albany Airport, you got into the airport about seven minutes before the plane was going to leave, and you walked onto the plane. Now you had uh, the security and the the, um, the, the uh, you know the screening and the rest turned uh, actually changed had a pretty significant impact on local flights out of Albany Airport because the waiting an hour, hour and a half to get uh, into the airport so that you could get on a plane and then having the same hassle maybe for a shorter period of time coming back made a lot of these short airplane flights that used to be for places you could drive to in four hours not, no longer uh, uh, reasonable and for a lot of those flights they just went out of business because people just said I can't, I have to wait an hour to get on a plane, fly for 40 or 50 minutes, then have that same hassle coming back. I'll just get my car and drive. Um, but I mean, uh, but it didn't, it didn't, other than the inconvenience of uh, travel in the modern world post 9 11, there wasn't any real impact on my business or my professional life. But once again, I maybe appreciate uh, the, other, the other things in life and to realize that. There's a lot of, you know, providence involved and just to be thankful for the good time. When was the next time that you went to New York City after 9-11? Probably the following week. Oh, wow, okay. Did you go at, and see At that anything? point in time, I was probably going to New York City once or twice a week. Okay. Every week, so. There were a lot of small businesses that that, uh, that went out of business because they, you know, they didn't have the the cash or the reserves to whether two or three weeks of people, you know, hunkering down. I, I you know, in upstate New York, a lot of people just sort of, you know, stayed home for a couple weeks uh, and uh, were, you know, just being with their family and just being grateful. And, you know, I'm sure some people were scared or, or, or other issues, but a lot of restaurants, a lot of small places just went out of business because when people shut down for a couple weeks, it was, uh, they didn't have the reserves to stay in business. Well, I always think about it, and it's uh, not just on that day, but uh, it's it's uh, it's a, in my opinion, it's a Washington D.C., New York City remembered event, uh, and I don't say that with uh, with any malice to the rest of the country, but I've been in I've been in California when there's been earthquakes. And, and things have happened, and you realize how important it is in California. And by the time you get back home, it's it's that night's news in, in upstate.
for people in Washington, D.C. and the New York City metropolitan area is something that I don't think people who were alive on that day are ever going to forget. But the people that weren't there or were in other parts of the country, they know about it, but it's, but it's not as meaningful. There were some people in my neighborhood that happened to be in New York City because this is an area where a lot of professionals commute down to the city periodically. And I saw some people uh, in church that uh, the Sunday after 9-11 and uh, a couple of people you know, came up and hugged and cried and held one another. And, um, one of my neighbors had worked down in the area. She was one of the people that was walking you know, with the soot all over her. And, oh. so, She's got much more vivid memories than I do, but uh, it's just something that, that, that you know that, that an event in my life that I that I remember and uh, periodically think about it, but it but it hasn't uh, hobbled my life. It's like uh, well, I'm 67 years old, but then when I went to school, the first couple of years I was in Grove City. The the draft was still in place, and the Vietnam War was still going on. It's a similar situation. I tell I always joke with my wife and friends, and I said, you can always tell how old somebody is if you're not quite sure exactly how old they are. And they always say, well, how do you do that? I said, well, if they're around my age, and I said, I'm, I said, I got a question for you. If I say the word lottery, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And the people who were men that were eligible for the draft say the draft. So if they're my age or older, it's not it's not a dollar and a dream that comes to their mind. It's, it's the selective service lottery. or even students or anything at Grove City when you were a student? Not that I saw. Okay. Well, you, and you were there at the tail end of the war. Um, the tail end, right. Was that still something that was consuming students' minds? 